Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Amanda Gates. And I know, I know, I'm late getting the show up once again. Oh my God. So the whole plan for me was is I was just going to kind of cruise through September and October just with the Mars retrograde and all the craziness going on in the sky. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to lay low, work from home, do some consultations, you know, work on the podcast, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. I've never been busier. Like last minute stuff keeps popping up that needs me to go outside of uh, my home and out into the what I would call out in the field, um, just consultation after consultation after consultation. And I've been working from like 730 in the morning until eight o'clock at night. It's been bananas. <laughs> I mean, talk about setting the intention to slow down and the universe is like, uh, no, it needs you right now. <laughs> so it is September 11th a pinnacle day for many Americans because of what happened on September 11th, 2001. So if your family was affected or if you were affected in some way, my heart goes out to you and prayers go out to you as well. So as I mentioned, I'm late. It's now uh, 5.30 at night that I'm recording this and I would much rather be sitting out on my deck with a glass of wine right now Oh, I have the most delicious French gamay that is just calling my name, but I wanted to quickly come on here and get today's show up. Oh my gosh, I've just been going in circles. I actually started this morning. I had to be at my first job site at 630. So I'm a little loopy fruits, but we can do this, right? We can totally do this. And today's guest was a oh, fantastic interview. I really, really enjoyed talking with Doug, and I, once again, was quite intentional in waiting to put him up. He and I actually spoke a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to uh, wait to put him up until now um, because he has done this amazing film uh, called How Thoughts Become Things, and it's very similar to The Secret, but it's not. It has some of the uh, similar guests that were in The Secret, but... One of the things that The Secret really left out was it gave us the what and the why, but it didn't give us the how. And so a lot of people were told, you know, it, just when you start thinking that it's not working, the seeds are about to germinate and it's about to come true. And it's like, okay, but what exactly was it that I was supposed to be doing? And why is it that what I'm doing isn't working? So I think The Secret came up with a lot of questions and created a lot of questions for people that were unanswered. And so it was a phenomenon and people really liked it, but I think it left him kind of high and dry. Well, 
My guest today, Doug Vermeeren, is an amazing coach and helps people uh, accomplish a lot of really great things. And this movie that he produced and put together, um, I think it just really gives you the missing part of the equation. It's like A plus B was the secret, and now we have A plus B equals C. So we have the answers Um, to our questions that we didn't have in 2006 when The Secret came out. So I wanted to put this up now because of everything that's going on astrologically and how big things are happening in our paradigm and big things are changing for us and we're not going back to normal. So that means that the things that we manifest and the things that we bring into our reality are going to look quite different than they would even six months ago. What you may want to manifest now, hell, it could be toilet paper, (laughs) could be hand sanitizer, right? I mean, who knew that those things were so valuable until you couldn't have them? So I think that the paradigm of what we want to manifest and the realities that we want to create are far different looking than they've ever been before. You know, I'm hearing from a lot of parents that are just really upset about what's going on with their schools and the school systems. So maybe you want to attract in uh, an ideal situation for your kids, maybe bringing in, you know, a teacher that can teach just, you know, 10 of the local kids in your neighborhood, Um, you know, just really thinking out of the box, or maybe it's creating, I've had a lot of single moms that have Uh, emailed me saying that they wish that their son or their you know daughter could stay home and be homeschooled but because they're a single mom they've got to go outside and they got to go you know earn that money to pay their rent and etc so maybe now the new reality is being able to create the income that you have and then some while being able to work at home and also homeschool your kids so the things that we may have tried to attract you know a year ago are going to look totally different now. I think our our realities that we're really wanting to create and the simplification that's going on uh, is really calling us to think bigger, but think in a new way, which is so exciting. So Doug is going to talk about this movie, where you can find it, and why it's going to help you manifest exactly what you want in your life, which I love this because it's a much bigger Uh, conversation, I guess you could say, uh, very similar to the moving heart method, where I told you how I manifested the exact circumstance that I wanted for my tooth. Well, Doug is giving you the tools to really expand on that and create the life you've always dreamed of. How amazing is that? Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I know. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, Before we dive into uh, this incredible movie that you made, which we're going to talk about here uh, in a minute, I can't wait to talk about it because it was so great. But I think the first question that really came up for me was, you know, over the last decade, I've worked with a ton of coaches and none of them ever sought out to be a quote unquote coach, right? They did something extraordinary. And because of that gift or talent or something that was unusual, people started seeking them out. So you're considered one of the most effective wealth coaches. And I'm curious, how did you get there? What did you do that set (laughs) you apart so that people were seeking you out as this quote unquote wealth coach? 
Sure. Well, there, there's actually, I guess, uh, sort of two parts to this answer, I guess. One is when I was 19, I did something that no one since Napoleon Hill has ever done. And that was that I actually went out and I met personally, one-on-one, firsthand, knee-to-knee, face-to-face with some of the world's top entrepreneurs, business leaders, thought leaders, and so forth. And that's, in fact, why the media right now calls me the modern-day Napoleon Hill. So I've got a lot of things that I teach that, quite frankly, are even, how do we want to say, not always complementary to what the personal development leaders of today are often teaching. And I think that that's a good point, too, is that while we're talking about coaches, I'm so grateful there's a brand new service that's just come out in the world. You may have heard of it already, the Coach Verification Service, that actually vets coaches to make sure that they actually not only have they done what they say they can, they've done, but that they can teach and that they can add value to people. So I made sure that where I got my info was directly from the fountain, directly from the source. And I think that unfortunately there's too many people that, for example, watch The Secret or one of my movies or go to Tony Robbins and tomorrow they're a life coach. And that's just not really fair. So first of all was again, the background that I had, the research that I did, it took decades and I'm still even interviewing the top achievers now. The second thing that kind of made me the number one wealth coach A couple of years ago, Money Magazine did a big report on all the people in the world teaching uh, specifically around wealth, real estate, investment, forex, finance, any any topic along wealth. And they rated me as the number one passive income coach in the world. And when I called them up to do the interview, I said, how did you guys select me, right? Like, why did you pick me? And they said, well, it was really quite simple. It had nothing to do with what you guys teach. It's the results. And they identified to me that they kind of looked to see how many of a person's students were able to earn at least a minimum of $10,000 a month using those techniques taught by that person. And it turned out that my students, uh, or the percentage of my students was 78.2% of the people through my program eventually were making a minimum of $10,000 each. Now that got me curious, and I'm certainly not going to mention any names, but I said, who is next? Like, who's below me? I'm curious. Who's number two? And you guys can find it out if you just go to Google. But the person behind me was 8%. And so it was just like, wow. And I think that really comes not just from the people that are coming to the training, because obviously people have to make a decision to do something with it. But I think it really is, do they feel empowered that it will work? And when they start doing it, do they get results so they get momentum and keep doing it? And I think those are the two really big important things is that I've got this, this strategy that works, but I also attract a lot of people who are really willing to do the work. And that's kind of what I guess made me number one. Wow, that's incredible. And I, I just want to do a quick mention for those who are listening today. I would assume that everybody's heard of Napoleon Hill, possibly not one of the most famous books. Was it written in the 30s? It was. Yeah, in fact, kind of the story behind it in about 1910 or so, Napoleon Hill met with Andrew Carnegie, who sent him on a mission to interview the successful people of his day. And out of that came many books, not only Think and Grow Rich, but Laws of Success, Outwitting the Devil, so many. And um, so I went out and I did the same thing. So while Napoleon Hill interviewed people like Thomas Edison and Henry Ford and the Rockefellers and all that, I got people like Richard Branson and Mark Cuban, Steve Jobs, uh, the founders of Nike, Disney, uh, the, the Avita Group, Uber, uh, Ted Baker, all the major companies. And I also included a lot of studies that in Napoleon Hill's day, for example, athletes and celebrities weren't making the kind of money with endorsements they were. Uh, there was no such thing as the internet. So internet companies didn't exist. Network marketing didn't exist. And so I included those new business models and those two views of success that weren't really expressed there in my studies. So I had some new things to report that Napoleon Hill, unfortunately, because of the technology and era of his day, 
didn't have the opportunity to, to study or observe. Still a great book, though. I recommend it. Oh, it's I, it brilliant. was one of the first books that I read in college, and I still have that original. Co- it's all trashed, and you know, <laughs> mine too. <laughs> all bent. And you know what? Honestly, I'm very grateful for it because if it wasn't for that book, actually, there's two books. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Think and Grow Rich was the first one, but the second one was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And so another great book, if you've never read either of those two, shame on you, there's your homework and you better get on it because those are two really important books that will make a big difference for you. Now, I am curious before we dive into this incredible movie, one of the questions that I did have for you, um, especially because my audience is dominated by females, I do have male listeners, but I think one of the things that challenges women in particular, much more so than men, is self-limiting beliefs. And so you can read Think and Grow Rich, The Secret, whatever the, you know, law of attraction book of your choice. And if you've got a grain of salt in your head telling you, you know, 20 different reasons why you can't do it, which comes from our childhood, but those self-limiting beliefs can halt and stop everything. So I'm curious, did you have any of those growing up? And if you did, how did you overcome them? Yeah, you know, and and that's a great question. And I I will just preface that by saying it's certainly not just a female thing. I think it comes to everybody. And the reason why I say that is after studying and preparing to do this movie, How Thoughts Become Things, we really took a, a lot of look at everything, not just the law of attraction perspective on how thoughts become things, but also the psychology perspective, the neuroscience perspective, the real practical results in real time. And and again, remember, I interviewed 400 of the world's top achievers, so I've been able to identify some very significant markers that were common in everyone. So let me explain it this way. The truth of the matter is, is thoughts actually don't arrive either positive or negative. They actually arrive as a duality. That's how thoughts arrive. So on one side, you've got the positive thought, like let's say you wanted to start a business. The positive side of that thought is, wow, I can do this. This is a, you know, this is a future for me. I can be profitable. I'll have my free time. I'll have customers. I'm creative in this. I feel charged with this. But the negative side of that thought immediately following after will say, no, no, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You don't know enough. You don't have enough connections. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough time. You've already got other things going on, blah, blah, blah. Now, which thought wins? Well, I want you to imagine that dual thought, if you will, is kind of like a feather. On one side, it's positive. One side, it's negative. And it's going to settle gently into what I call the nest, which is your programming from your past the community that you were raised in, the culture that you were raised in, all the messages that you've gotten. And if those messages in the past have been negative, well, that thought, that part of the thought that's negative is going to receive more power. And so it's going to rise very quickly and you're going to really experience the negativity, right? You're going to experience again, this disbelief. But if that nest, that support group, your programming and so forth is positive, then everything's going to unfold in a positive way. And you're going to believe I can, and it's possible. Now, let me share something that I think is maybe startling. And it was when I found it out is most people think that their programming and that nest, if you will, is based on what we experienced as children. We often say that all of our programming is done by the time that we're five or six or seven, and that's the way that it is. The truth is, is neuroscience and psychology have both actually proven that to be false. But again, pop culture and a lot of the coaches and gurus that are out there tell you that, nope, you're programmed and that's that. Not true. Let me maybe explain it an easy way. You've heard it said that we become like the five people we spend the most time with. 
That key word there is spend, not spent. Spent is our past. And as I interviewed the top achievers, there were many people who had a rough past, that had abuse, had dysfunctional families, had bankruptcies, had divorces, had you name it, really challenging past. But they up-leveled their influences. They up-leveled their surroundings. And so they spend time now with a new set of people. And as a result, when that dual thought, the positive and the negative thought lands in their nest, they make a positive choice. They are empowered. And so I'm going to suggest that one of the first things that we can do is if we're not feeling good about ourselves, if we're not feeling like we can, if we're feeling limited, if we're feeling like everything that's negative in our life seems to always turn out negative and the positive is really tough, well, I'm going to suggest that you need to start changing what's influencing you. And that doesn't mean eliminate all the quote unquote toxic people from your life. In fact, all the top achievers I ever interviewed didn't run from problems. They learned how to manage them. So we don't run from toxic people, but we learn how to manage them better. And we learn how to take our strength and our support from those that empower us. And so not just people, but everything, our surroundings, the social media we participate in, the movies we watch, the music we listen to, the books we read, everything that we bring into our life has a fingerprint, if you will, everything. And so we need to be very selective about what we bring in. Amen. <laughs> and I'm glad that you mentioned that it's not just women because I do, you know, and perhaps that's my programming, but I, I, I know that a lot of the, uh, especially in the woo culture, uh, a lot of women tend to, um, want to discount their prices and to help people. And, you know, they're, they're not as sturdy in, in their pricing structure because they tend to uh, put people's welfare over their own income and their own profit. And I, I know, tend to- can, can I just make one comment on that? Yeah. And, and maybe even two things. Number one, you're saying that they're feeling like they're not worth it, yet they're discounting. Here's the deal. You teach people how to treat you. And so if you're putting your stuff out there at a discounted rate saying it's not really, you know, I, I, I've got to make it discounted so people will accept it. Well, right away, you're actually speaking of how you value yourself. That's what the conversation is. It's not about how much they can afford. It's about how much you think you're worth. And you've immediately infected, let's use that negative word, infected everyone's perception of you because you're saying I'm not worth what it really is worth. I'm worth less. And so therefore I'm discounting my value. Again, you teach people how to treat you, including you're teaching yourself how to treat you. Now, the other part of that that's really interesting is there's a book that was also written uh, in early 1900s called The Science of Getting Rich. Many of your people have probably heard of it. It was written by Wallace D. Waddles, who's uh, one of the original, I guess, uh, thought leaders of this generation. And the interesting thing is, is for those of you who know the movie The Secret, the movie The Secret was actually inspired and based on The Science of Getting Rich. But he said something inside it, which I think is really interesting. He said, whatever may be said in praise of poverty, the fact remains that a person is not truly successful until they are rich. And so I want to suggest that if you are putting yourself out there as a healer, as someone who's able to expand someone's life and make it bigger and make it more abundant and make it more powerful, it's important that richness or abundance manifests itself in every way, including financial in your life, in order to qualify yourself to teach like that. If you are stepping to the plate with scarcity, how do you expect to help someone else attract abundance? And by the way, I might mention very clearly that the universe is an echo chamber. And if you show up with one foot in abundance and one foot in scarcity and say, I deserve abundance, you're not going to get it, right? And any kind of scarcity, by the way, manifests itself in any form of jealousy, comparison, contrast, complaining, criticism, or 
thinking small. So we've got to be very careful when we show up. If we call ourselves a healer, we need to be open to receive healing for ourselves. And we also need to be open to receiving abundance in all forms, including the financial part. And again, be careful because if you discount yourself, that's the message you're sending to the entire universe. And you're also a listener in that program. Mm, I love that. I'm so glad that you said that because I do have a lot of uh, healers that listen to this show and do that. They give away free sessions and discount their sessions and they do that a lot. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of sales and business coaches over the years and it, it's like a cardinal rule. You never discount your time. You never discount the service that you provide. So yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's wisdom too, by the way. And heck, you and I could do a masterclass on this. Um, my speaking business in, in my first six months, I did $1.6 million. Right now I'm doing uh, close to $14 million in passive income. By the way, if you guys want to learn how to do this, just come to uh, something that we're doing right now, a weekly support system for people who want to build income streams called the IncomeStreamChallenge.com. And it's very easy to participate. But the one thing that I think is kind of interesting is when people talk about giving free things, they often justify it by saying, well, people need to kind of know me. It's like getting a sample at Costco or Sam's Club or something like that, right? People need to get a sample. Well, the problem is, is that most people are giving the wrong things out as samples. You're right. They're giving their time and they're giving their efforts. And it's much better to create either an audio or an ebook or something, even an article or a report that people can start to understand who you are without you having to be present. And if they resonate with you, what do they say? If you get your vibe, they'll become your tribe. And so we need to find ways that we can make a fair exchange of value first to ourselves and then to others. And then when people have really kind of gravitated towards us that they know that we're their teacher, that's when we move it into an in-person type meeting where it makes sense for everybody. And you're not just going to a Starbucks talking for an hour and getting paid a coffee and then you have to go home and explain why you're broke. That never works for anybody. But if you're interested to learn that, like I said, come and join us at that IncomeStreamChallenge.com and we can teach you how to do this correctly. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great segue into uh, the whole reason that Doug is here today is because he's, in, you know, created this incredible uh, movie, How Thoughts Become Things. And one of the things that um, when I first started it, I paused it because this quote was one of the first things that was stated. And I think that this is so powerful. And the reason why I felt it was so powerful is because we've heard it again and again and again and again. And I think a lot of people tune it out. And so I want to say it here. Um, and then follow it up with a question for you, Doug. It starts out with our thoughts are the most powerful thing that we possess when it comes to creating our reality. So literally you're starting off by telling us that our thoughts are the most powerful thing that we possess. So I'm curious, you know, I tend to, I agree the, the five people that you hang out with are your, your, what do they call it? The COI center of influence. Uh, those are the people that you need to elevate yourself, but a lot of people don't. And so they're swimming in negativity. So if your thoughts are the most powerful thing that we possess, how do we get people out of, you know, you said earlier, we've got one foot in abundance and one foot in lack. How do we get that foot out of lack? How do we get out of those, you know, negative thoughts and self-limiting beliefs and really stand in our truth? Well, I, I think one of the things that's interesting about thoughts, like I said earlier, there's a duality. There's a positive and a negative to them, right? So let's do a little experiment with your listeners here. I'm going to say a word, and it's going to be very random. Are you ready? Dog. Okay? So you've got it. Dog, right? So right now in your mind, you're probably holding an image of a dog, some kind of a dog. In fact, let's make it more specific. We'll use the word puppy. 
So here's the deal. Before I brought up those invasive words, you had dog was the last thing on your mind, right? Like you, no one was thinking of a puppy. So here's the thing that's interesting about thought. Most people don't realize that thought actually responds to a stimulus. There must be something there either in your memory bank or in your immediate present that's causing a thought to occur. Thoughts are all responsive. Now, the problem with most people is they've never, ever been clear about what they really want to create. Like if I were to give you this exercise, you know, let's just even say 10 minutes ago, and I said, before we come onto this call, I'm going to have everyone think of a dog. So pre-plan, think about the dog that you want so that when that word appears, you're going to have the mind already focused on the dog that you want. Not the one that just immediately popped into your mind, but you'll have time to think about it and you can create the exact dog. You can have it, the color, the size, the make, the model, the temperament, everything. You can create it before we talk about it. And then all of a sudden it appears and you're right on target. You can identify what is and what isn't your dog. Now, the thing is, if we translate this to real life, most of the time in every day, most people haven't spent the effort to decide what they really want. So therefore, whatever shows up sort of becomes the reflex, right? And let's just think about this now in the context of your coaches that love to help other people. How many of your coaches, I wonder, have somebody immediately call them and say, oh, can you please help me? but you're already in the middle of something that you were trying to do either for yourself or your business, but you've just been interrupted. Well, the problem with most people is they allow other people's fire to become their emergency instantly because they haven't ever decided what they really want. So whatever shows up will do. So my first advice to really creating power in your thoughts and to be able to stay focused with your thoughts and to be able to really engineer what you want in your life is to take some time Here's maybe a good quote that we share in our seminar, Personal Power Mastery. A goal that is specific and clear becomes attainable and near. So if we get really specific and clear from the beginning what we want, when it appears or fragments of it appear that we can latch onto and start building something with, we recognize them because they're familiar to us. But if we just respond in autopilot all the time and whatever comes along is what we're going to do and what we're going to receive... Well, you know, we can be started down a path which we think is in harmony with our goals, but the minute that something comes that either needs our attention or draws us away or something that seems interesting, fun, or the sparkly object, we drop what's most important to us. We don't put first things first. So we've got to be really careful about that. Now, by the way, here's just an interesting, cool idea when it comes to making choices, especially with our thoughts. You heard it said by many a guru that happiness is a choice. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not true. In fact, I was recently speaking at a prison, a maximum security prison in North Carolina. Now, as you can imagine, you don't get into maximum security by accident. These are people who'd made some really difficult choices. And after I had finished speaking, I'll never forget, I was actually sitting with a murderer. And this murderer said to me, and by the way, he had done multiple murders. He said, each time that I committed that crime, I thought I was making a good choice, right? So is happiness a choice? I mean, there's choices that we can make that don't always lead to great things. This poor guy, not only did he kill someone, but now just think of the damage that he affected his family with. And now, of course, the lack of freedom that he had and the rest of his life was now altered forever. So happiness isn't a choice. In fact, happiness is 
a choice, but being pleased with the consequence. So it really must involve the consequence. And I think that when we're finding clarity around our thoughts and our goals and the things that we really want in life, first of all, we can learn that any choice based on immediate gratification generally will not lead to happiness. But if we can make a choice based on what I call legacy thinking, who we want to be in the end, what we want to create ultimately, what we want to have as far as an effect on the things and the people that matter most to us. In other words, our family and our friends and those that we really do value with their long-term opinion is and what their memories of us will be long after we're gone. When we make choices like that, we start doing things correctly and we start creating happiness. I love what Stephen Covey said. He said that some people climb the ladder of success only to find that it's leaning against the wrong wall. And I think if we think about consequences, we start doing things differently. That's great. And you brought up a point that, you know, a lot of people aren't clear about what they want to create. And, and you've really kind of clear, because that was going to be one of my questions is, I agree with you. I think a lot of people have very convoluted thinking and the, it's literally like, what's right now? What's right now? What's right now? And they're not really thinking ahead and they're not, um, they're so distracted and, you know, given everything that's going on, it's no surprise of that. But I think because they're constantly, uh, whatever fire is in front of them, it's, it's like their attention span is just completely jarred. So I think what's great about the movie is that it really helps you get an understanding of how you can manifest the life that you've always wanted. But my question to you is, and you've kind of answered this with the legacy um, thinking, but if you've never really sat down and gotten clear about what it is that you desire most and what it is that you really want, and hell, they may be thinking that that's far too decadent. I can't have that. How does somebody get really clear about what they truly desire if they've never really done the work and never really thought about it? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because the thought that kind of went through my mind is, as, as you were talking about this is, you know, maybe even a personal experience is, is a way to kind of share this. So one of the reasons why we don't ever get super clear is because we're afraid of what clarity looks like, right? Like this is something big. Like I really want something big. And then we start thinking this idea, well, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And then we get ourselves frightened. And so therefore it's easier to just kind of say, no, 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 I'm not going to look at that because that means that it's big and I don't want that. So let me share with you kind of this funny experience that happened to me. No kidding. True story happened when I was about 20 and I was still doing my interviews with the world's top achievers. And I had an idea to start a business. And you know, this idea they say of take a millionaire to lunch. Well, I decided to take a multi multi-millionaire to lunch. This fellow was a friend of mine worth about $300 million. And I was hoping that he would give me some business advice on a company that I wanted to start. Now remember I was 20. So when I met with him at lunch, I said to him questions like, what should I do to find more customers? How should I go about doing my marketing? How should I go about finding maybe distribution for my company? How should I find an office that I could put us all in? How should I find uh, more customers? How should I, and he then stopped me and he said, I can tell you're going to start a very small company. And I said, what? I don't want to start a small company. I want to start a big company. What do you mean a small company? And then he looked at me again and with a straight face said, no, I can tell. You're going to start a small company. And I said, well, what do you mean? And now, of course, here's the key where most people uh, fall off the rails. You can't let your ego get involved. You've got to be teachable. If you want to be successful, you've always got to be teachable. So I said, help me understand what you mean. 
And he said, well, you'll never create anything big while you're asking selfish questions. I said, what do you mean by that, selfish questions? He says, any question that involves I or me is a selfish question. Wow. And he said, you could never build anything big while you're asking selfish questions. He says, Love that. if you're a cog in the wheel, you're a clog in the wheel. And then he explained what kind of questions you should ask. He says, if you ever want to build something big, you don't ask I questions, you ask who questions. I said, well, share me some examples. And he said, you'll ask, who can help me with this? Who knows about marketing? Who knows about finding customers? Who knows how to sell these guys? Who knows where I should find distribution? Who knows? And so on and so forth. Then he pointed out that all major things in the history of the world always have been and ever will be built by teams, not individuals. If you want to win a gold medal, it's always a coach, nutritionist, uh, sponsors, and an athlete. It's never one person. If you want an Academy Award, there's somebody who's written the script, someone who's got the, the camera, and someone that's doing the lighting and the makeup and everything else. It's always a team effort. And he said the same thing is true about wealth, life, and business. If ever you want to build something big, you need to ask, who can help me? And I think that that's a big thing. Now, back to your question about this idea of you know, overcoming this negative thinking and getting clarity. Well you know, the size of, uh, of our dream is always dampened by people who think they have to do it alone. And because of that, they aren't really true and authentic to what they really want because they downsize it because they frighten themselves thinking, how am I going to do this? Well, the truth is, and you've heard this in the secret too, it, don't ask how you're going to do this. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to be a negative person in any way, but I want to say they really only gave half the answer. You don't ever want to ask, how do I do this with anything? but you do want to ask who can help me. That's an important question. And when we start asking who can help me and we start removing the limits on our vision of what's possible, you'll be very surprised at what begins to manifest itself and what begins to arrive for you. I think that's fantastic. And it, I don't know it verbatim, but it reminds me of the story of when Henry Ford was on trial oh, yes. and they were asking him all of those history questions and he didn't know the answers. And they were really ridiculing him because he didn't have the intelligence because he was Henry Ford. And he's like, at any given moment, I can hit any one of these buttons and have any one of my engineers yeah. give me the answer. Why That's the hell do I need to know all that? Well, it's also like what Steve Jobs said. He says, we don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. Yeah. And the problem with, I think, most entrepreneurs, they call themselves entrepreneurs, but they're not really. They're solopreneurs, right? They're people who are trying to do everything themselves. And by the way, this even goes for the healing coaches that are out there. I find that most of them, quite frankly, feel like they need to be a one-person job in order to be recognized for the value that they're providing in the marketplace. And many of them try to build their own websites. They try to build their own marketing. They try to host their own events. They try to, and in the end, they are actually operating from a scarcity point of view because that scarcity is also manifested in the way that they build their business. They're not interested to bring other people into it. Well, if you're not interested to bring other people to help you, why would other people come from help? from you, right? It's the same question, right? And so I think it's really important, like if we use a, a really easy example, and hopefully this helps a lot of your coaches, because I do know as a coach, as a speaker, I do know that there is a sense of pride in receiving recognition for the support that you give. I know that there is an element of ego that you wanna be recognized for the teaching that you provide. And honestly, I think that that's wonderful. I'm not against it. So let's look at this. If we take a musical artist, and I'm just taking an example, you may like him or may not, but let's say Michael Jackson. If you were to take a Michael Jackson album and rip open the DVD cover, if such a thing even exists anymore, you take a look at the DVD cover and you see, did Michael Jackson play all the instruments on his record? 
did he was he the sound engineer on all the songs on his record did he even write all the songs on his record no in fact you'll find many other names and a support team that he has that helps him be a superstar but in the end who gets the credit so I think it's really important that we recognize it's okay for you to get help. In fact, that's the only way you're going to scale or expand or have the ability to serve more people is you need to be willing to accept the help yourself. But it's not always necessary that your name comes off the packaging. You can still be recognized for the good that you do in the world. It's still your teachings that are out front. It's still you that generally has the contact with your people. But you do need that support scaffolding, if you will, that people don't always see the public part of it. They don't always see that. But until you're willing to start building that, you're very limited to your own personal efforts of what you can do, which ultimately is not much. In fact, there was a study done by Harvard Business School a few years ago that said that the average solopreneur, number one, they called them self-employed, and that's really what you are, but said that they only have the ability to truly serve five customers effectively, that when you get to number six, everybody suffers. That mm. five is your limit. So the only way around that is to learn how to duplicate and build systems and to automate. And uh, that's something that I teach my students. Again, that's one of the principles that made me the number one passive income coach is that we understand that it's not a trade of time that makes money. It's not even education that makes money. It's always systems. And if you can learn how to build systems that will support you so that you can be, uh, let me maybe put it this way. Remember I said there's a lot of things I learned in interviewing the top achievers that disagree with what a lot of the gurus tell you. Well, a lot of the gurus say, if you want to be successful, you need to step out of your comfort zone. I'm going to tell you right now that that's garbage. The truth is you need to step into your brilliance zone and discard all the things that are uncomfortable. You don't have the time to build them or develop them or learn those skills. You have an area of strength where your customers, when you're healing them and you're working with them, that they appreciate that. They don't care about your website. They don't care that you have the skills to do accounting. They don't care about those things. What they care about is how you serve them in the things that matter to them. So you need to learn how to stay in your brilliant zone and delegate the things that are uncomfortable. That's the way that every one of the 400 top achievers that I interviewed did it. You're not going to do it any other way. So stop trying to hang on to things that frustrate you and aren't meaningful to you or validating to you. Find somebody who's good at that, who finds joy and pleasure in it, and they'll help your business grow. Give yourself permission to do that. Yeah. And I think that's so true. You know, again, just with the coaches that I've worked with in the past, I mean, they always told me to hire out for the shit that I can't or am not willing to do. And it's so true. I mean, I don't need to be doing my own bookkeeping and I don't need to be making my own, you know, there's a lot of phone calls that I can, and emails that I can uh, get other people to do for me so that it frees my time up. So I think that that's really um, important for people to do, but I think a lot of people are scared well, and i well, love they're, they're also scared of this they say what if that person i hire makes a mistake you mean to, you mean to tell me that you never make mistakes right, right. So, so the fact that you're you're trying to protect your customers from someone well the truth of the matter is is you're going to make more mistakes trying to do it all by yourself than that other person who's got it as a specific job will do and by the way here's something you might want to write down that all top achievers are not perfectionists they're improvisers right? The minute that we try to build something out of perfection is the minute that we also put a hesitation on it. And by the way, here's something kind of cool, bringing back to the idea of thoughts and thoughts become things. Now, this gentleman was not in the film, but he told me something really kind of cool. So I've got a friend that I meet. 
Uh, on a regular basis, we go out for lunch. Uh, he's a big real estate land developer in my city. He's worth about $800 million. But the cool thing is, is he's an older gentleman in his mid-70s now. So he's seen a lot of stuff. And I always say this, you might want to write this down, old eyes see best right? Because they've got the experience. Old eyes see best. They've got more than 20-20 vision. They really see things for how they are. Well, he told me something once about belief. He says, when you believe something, and he's not talking about like the laws of gravity or things that are, you know, eternally true. He's talking about just our mindset, our belief about something. He says, when you believe something, did you know that you're subscribing to a lie? And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, think about this. He says, how many ways, for example, is there to paint a fence? Well, uh, quite frankly, there's probably a thousand different ways a person could paint a fence. He says, so if you believe that one way is the truth and one way is the only way, you've now actually disempowered yourself and you've limited all the other 999 ways to paint the fence. And I think that's the way a lot of coaches do things. And that's why I think many of them struggle. And I think that's why also, to be quite frank, the industry has a bit of a sour reputation. And I think that that's also why services like coach verification are so important and essential to the industry, because there is a lot of riffraff there who's doing things in an unproductive way. They're not getting people results, not even for themselves are they getting results. They're not running a thriving business. And the reason why is because they think it's got to be their way right? It's their ego running their company. And here's the deal. You can either be rich or you can be right. You can't be bold. And the minute you say that this is the way, well, you've cut off other possibilities, which actually might be more empowering to you. And as we know, even our society, our environment, our technology, everything changes. So if you say this is the way, in fact, it's really interesting. A couple of years ago, I met this guy at a speaking event. And again, this was a couple years ago. We're talking like 2018. And as I got to his little booth that he had for himself, I noticed he had cassette tapes there. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> he had programs on cassette tape. And I, I said to him, well, these are kind of interesting. And he goes, well, I just keep them around because you never know. Somebody may come along and still have a cassette player. Now, two problems with this. One, what a pain in the butt to have to cart it all in and then cart it all out because nobody's going to buy it. But here's the big problem is if you've got your brand new shiny program right next to it, which has the same cover, the same title as your cassette tapes, people are gonna say, well, this information must be just as stale as those cassette tapes. So we've gotta evolve. We've gotta recognize that people are expecting, like no one comes into a room, and I'm sorry if I sound mean, but no one comes into a room saying, where are the losers I can do business with? People want the best that their money can buy. They want stuff that's gonna help them with cutting edge solutions and, and up-to-date answers. They don't want to, uh, sit around looking through what happened in 1973 to fix their problem that's occurring in 2020. It just doesn't work. So we've got to understand that, you know, really, you know, the future is upon us. Become an innovator, right? Become an innovator. So I love this idea. I love uh, this information that you're sharing and you're um, encouraging everybody that's listening today to, as you said, step into their brilliance and really own um, that worthiness, that that is where they need to be focusing their energy. And it's interesting because I, I like I mentioned before that we started the show, we were going to go off into the weeds and we're there. Um, I wrote <laughs> down <laughs> one of the, one, another one of my favorite quotes from the movie was from Joe Vitale. And it's, he said, we think too small based on past experiences. And so some people can't even imagine it, which is exactly what we're talking about right now is that, you know, they're, they're basing everything on, well, 
you know, it didn't work the last time I did it or, you know, past experiences that we constantly conjure up. So this is not new information. You know, at some point, I would argue that probably everybody at some point in their life has heard of this concept called law of attraction, possibly Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, Dale Carnegie. I'm sure that they've heard of all of this. So why the hell aren't more people doing this? What have you found in your work? Why are people not doing this on a consistent basis? Well, I, I think, again, it's, it's one of these things that there's a lack of awareness and there's also, I believe, a lack of belief in self. And I think that those are the two biggest things. Most people, they're too busy on autopilot. They're too busy uh, living their life day to day that they don't pause to think about what it is that they really, really want. And because they don't, well, you know, they keep living the same way that they've always lived. All right. So what inspired you? Cause I think this is another uh, kind of like a reset button. It's like, I feel like every couple of years or so something really big comes out with this same information, you know, with the concept in a new way. And I think you've done it in a great way with all of these fantastic speakers in the show talking about different approaches to uh, how to manifest the things that are really important to you. <clears throat> excuse me, and, and creating this life that you really want. And so how did you, from your business and all of the um, coaching that you're doing, what inspired you to create this and put this out there for everybody so that, you know, people can revisit this idea of you have a choice to manifest what it is that you want in your life? Well, I think one of the probably big things for me is, you know, when I started as a 19-year-old doing my interviews with the world's top achievers, I did realize that there were some changes that were taking place on me, but I couldn't articulate it quite at the time. I was still trying to figure out what did all this really mean? And, you know, this is again, our fourth movie that I've done. Uh, you know, we did the Opus, the Gratitude Experiment and the Treasure Map. Um, but it really, I think, wasn't until now that I realized that even those other things that we taught, there was a missing piece that I thought really needed to be included. And this is it. It's our thoughts right? Our thoughts are really the beginning of everything. And I also thought that I didn't want to put that film out right away. Uh, the reason why specifically is, interestingly enough, I had an interview with a neuroscientist um, probably about five or six years ago. And I was interested to do this movie at that point. And she said to me at that moment that 98.2% of what we understand about the brain has changed in the last 10 years. And there was a lot of really good work coming out about the brain over the last few years that I just wanted to make sure that I had the answers right so that it could be highly valuable. So people couldn't say, yeah, we saw this movie already or really nice thoughts, but there's not much we can do with it. We wanted to give something that was beyond anything that has been experienced though, thus far in terms of practicality. In fact, one of the things that we did, and I hope you got a chance to use this when you uh, watch the film is when a person acquires the film, they also get a workbook that's actually been designed from a neuroscience point of view to make shifts and changes within you. And then there's some audios that are also included and also some other uh, power thoughts and, and quote books and things. And for those that want to continue the journey, we've also added additional interviews and other support mechanisms that are there. So we didn't want to just create a movie we wanted to create change. We wanted to create transformation. We wanted an experience where those who participated could really actually do something at the end rather than just say, wow, this movie felt really good. <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> enough for us, right? That wasn't enough for us. Well, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I don't know if Missy sent me a workbook. I may have to ask you about that after the show because that sounds <laughs> interesting. Um, 
But I, I am curious, you know, it, it's very well produced. Again, there's some fantastic people that are on it um, sharing their point of view on manifestation and they're all highly successful. And, you know, I think it's important to mention too, is that everybody, I, I think a lot of times people hear the law of attraction and, and they just automatically assume, oh, people are trying to attract cars and houses and careers. And, you know, there's people that actually attract higher purpose and, and they, they utilize it in a very powerful way to give back to the world. So there's a lot of different ways that you can take this. And, and I'm curious of all the things that were included in the movie and all of the fantastic interviews that were done. What is it that you hope that people walk away with? What is your, your greatest hope for this movie? Well, I, I think the biggest thing that people need to see is themselves. In fact, sometimes people have asked me this question. How did you get all these big names in your movie like Bob Proctor and Joe Vitale and John Martini? And these are all such important people, right? And, you know, the truth is they are all friends of mine. But the thing that I think is important to recognize is they are not the most important people in the movie. You are you are the most important person in this movie. And if you begin to recognize that about yourself and recognize that those that are in the film are actually here to be at your service and to help you, and that the real mission of this movie is to help you change and to access a greater you. In fact, how thoughts become things. Do you know the most important word in there? Everybody misses it, but it's the word become. It's the change that's gonna take place. And things, I mean, you know, yeah, they come and go. If you want a Ferrari, you know, I mean, they make them all the time. There are, there's a lot of them out there, but that's not really the important thing. And even your thoughts, you're going to have good thoughts. You're going to have bad thoughts. You're going to have fears. You're going to have doubts. You're going to have empowering moments and enthusiasm, right? You're going to have all these incredible thoughts. And the how, yes, we talk about that in the film, but until you use all these tools to become, you're not really using the film as it was designed. That's it. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think that it's the missing link. I remember the uh, power and drive behind The Secret and all of the enthusiasm that was behind it, but it didn't really explain the how. And so a lot of people, I think, left deflated. And I think that they're going to leave yours with a, an actual toolbox of, okay, I'm ready to rock this. I know how to do this. I'm going to do this like a boss. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's what we hope. And, and by the way, one of the other things that I'm going to share here just quickly whether it comes to some of the money-making strategies we've talked about, whether it talks to thoughts becoming things or any of these things, you also hear a lot of gurus say you need to take massive action. In fact, right now, you even see a lot of gurus talking about the hustle and the grind and the 5 a.m. club and work till 2 in the morning and hustle, hustle, hustle. Well, the truth of the matter is I never met one top achiever that did that. And the other thing that's interesting about all those guys telling you to hustle, they tell you to get busy, but they don't really tell you what to do, right? And so one of the things I want to say is I don't want you to take massive action. I want you to take deliberate action, very specific action. I want you to become focused and understand what it is you really want and the actions that you're gonna take are gonna be productive. In fact, I think it's interesting that my definition of productivity is different than most. It's not doing more, it's sometimes doing less but getting the same or better results. So how can you earn the right to have more time in your life? Well, it's by being focused and using the time you have to create results that are exponentially larger than the time it took to create them. And so I think that's a really important thing. Who knows, maybe even for a conversation another day, but I feel like most people think, I just need to get busy, let's do it. And that's not what I want you to do at all. I want you to get smart. I want you to do the effective things. That's the mission. Oh, I love that. You're probably the first coach I've ever uh, spoken to that actually encourages that. I've never subscribed to, to that. The uh, 
uh, Vayner. Oh, what's his name? He pushes Gary. and pushes. That's yes, Gary. Oh, God. Like, he just drives me nuts. Like, <laughs> the go, 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 hustle, 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 wake up at 4 a.m., don't go to sleep until midnight. I'm like, no, that's not how I operate. Well, it's, you know, I, I, I do love Gary, and I've had a chance to share the stage with him and, and meet him a few times. And I think he's a great guy. But I do think, again, this idea of hustle um you know it's okay because he started with a 300 million dollar wine company so hustling it makes sense because you know what you're doing you're on a mission you've got a flow and you're off to the races but i think a lot of the entrepreneurs that are coming into his arena and into his events um they don't yet have a foundation of what to do so telling them to get busy without giving them a, a blueprint of what they should do is tough and he's talking about posting content and all these things online and that's wonderful but you know, if we look at really what's happening in the influencer community, and this is a whole other conversation, it really is, but, um, you know, the percentage of influencers that are actually able to make even $1,000 a month by monetizing their subscribers and the people that they have is very small. It's very, very small. And I'm not saying that you can't do it, but I'm saying that I think there's a lot easier ways to become a successful entrepreneur, and, and, and he's not sharing that conversation because he's not from that background. Yeah, and I that's, agree. that's fine. That's fine. And that's nothing to disrespect him. It's just that, um, you know, I think he's, he's definitely got a great vision for technology and the internet and so forth. But the truth of the matter is statistics demonstrate that the two areas where millionaires are made most is either in business or real estate. And it has very little to do with technology. So it's, it's a great conversation, but it's, it's unfortunately being painted as the dominant conversation, the path you need to follow. And the truth is it's actually a smaller percentage of success than any of the other major paths. And so, I don't know. I mean, if, if you resonate with that, what do we say? If, if, if it gets, you know, if you, you get his vibe, become his tribe. And, you know, if, if you resonate with that, go for it. And there's a lot of things I love about what he says, but I think it's an incomplete picture. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, I want to be a part of the putter club. I just want to putter. <laughs> <laughs> so Doug, if people are fired up about this, I'm sure they all at this point want to watch the movie. Where do they go to find it and how do they learn more about you? Yeah, the best place to go is we got lots of free stuff on um, YouTube. So just head over. You can type in my name, Douglas Vermeeren, uh, Instagram as well or whatever. I don't post there as much. Um, but the one thing I do want you guys to do is come see the movie. And, you know, if you love that, keep following us and that you can get to by simply just going to www.howthoughtsbecomethings.com. And again, it's the name of the movie, howthoughtsbecomethings.com. And uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. People are just raving about it. Yeah, it was really fantastic. And I, I just want to thank you for taking the time and effort to produce it and put it together and put the information out into the world. Because I think that, uh, especially right now, I mean, hello, we're going through a crazy pandemic and things that we've never seen before. And I think that um, it's very positive and uplifting and to tell people to focus um, in a time that's probably really hard to do that. I think that it can be really uplifting and encouraging uh, and empowering for people to say, okay, I'm going to take the reins and I'm, I'm going to be able to, you know, put my life back on track. So I think that the information is coming out at the perfect time. I, I would agree with you. And I thank you for highlighting it and having us on your show. Well, thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I look forward to doing it again. 
Wasn't that such a great show? I'm excited to hear about your stories, about the things that you're manifesting and the things that you want to manifest. I'm curious to see how things in your life have changed and how you're shifting. Maybe the things that you thought that you wanted that you don't need anymore, but the new things, the new realities that you need to create. I think that this movie, How Thoughts Become Things, is really on point with where we are and how things are really shifting in a big way and how our manifestation goals are changing. I hope that you've enjoyed this show today. Don't forget, I do have online booking now. Um, It would be nice because then I can stay home (laughs) and work from home. Uh, And my uh, workshop with Sharita Starr is still up on the website. Probably keep that up for maybe one more week, Um, but you can purchase that and find out more about what's going on in the stars and how to prepare for it. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.